Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. What an honor for me to come to your house today and just minister the message of God's grace with you. I want to encourage you to um, go and share this message with as many people as possible uh, right now if you can uh, because this is going to impact the lives of people. Today I'm going to talk about money and the title of this message is Money Crucified. I'm going to look at certain verses in the Bible that's been difficult to explain. Things like Timothy where uh, the scripture talks about uh, you know the love of money being the root of all evil. I mean, if if uh, Paul comes in writes to Timothy and, sa- Timothy and he says that the love of money is the root of all evil, he had to have certain understanding about it, and uh, there was a reason why why he's saying that. He didn't say that because he had too much Rice Krispies that morning. He said that because it is so and because it was revealed to him by uh, Jesus. And we're going to look at those kind of things and um, explain it now. <coughs> When you look at those verses, it, uh, you know, if I say, for instance, to you, don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, and what you shall wear, and those kind of things, then fear wants to grip your heart, uh, and guilt, because maybe you are worried about where you're going to stay. Um, and I'm going to explain to you how the where you're going to stay and what you're going to eat is not um, supposed to be interpreted in a way of feeling condemned, but where you can feel free. Now... I'm starting a series on finances. Now, I do, do have a, a series on money, and I've, I've done it long ago. And I was just thinking to go for the next maybe three, four, five Sundays, just, um, uh, you know, and just preach on finances, and just bring a well-balanced message. And what I mean by balanced is a message that is so full of life that it can produce the eternal life God planned for you in the area of manifestation in your life that can bring it forth. Um, uh, I want to just say this as an introduction. The reason why I do this is not because I am hurt or because I've been abused or because I've, you know, uh, um, I, I, I've, I've got something against any preacher. I'm not against preachers. I... <coughs> I love the church. I love the local church. I love for the for the church to advance, you know, to um, to reach more people. I love for the church not to struggle financially and just live in abundance. Um, but that cannot be at the cost of the truth. Uh, for the truth can even produce all those things anyway. So uh, I want to just bring this and share this. Another reason why I um, also want to minister this is uh, I, I see a little bit of a confusion concerning uh you know, tithing concerning uh, giving in the church. And it's almost as if there's a little bit of legalism connected, um, you know, to this. And I don't say that, uh, you know, people that say you must tithe or people that believe that, that, that you should give only to the local church and those kind of things, that they are legalists. All I just believe is that there is a clear truth concerning these things that can see, whereby we can see great fruit. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think that one man 
you know, can really in every area of your life say this is the full gospel concerning that area of your life. It will be very, very difficult for one man to understand all. We need each other. We need to share with each other and uh, see this encouragement and sharing of truth uh, touching the lives of all people. Now, before we get into this, you know, um, I would like to just pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that as I share this message concerning money, and uh, this introduction message is quite a tough one, I thank you, Lord, that you can touch people's lives. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak through me in such a great way. I thank you that you do not just gives me an eloquent way of saying something, but uh, that you uh, allow me to say it in a way that what is in my heart uh, about this can be understood and that people can be free. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Now, um, just before I get into the message, I want to just say to you that you'll have to listen to this a few times to really grab what I say. And I'm going to do it and, and say it as short as possible and see if we can do this under an hour. When we uh, go to the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy, we're going to have a look at what advice Paul gave Timothy here. Now, just before I get into this, um, I'm also going to use some Old Testament verses, and I do believe that the Old Testament is of great value to the church. And that I say, knowing that the law is not for a righteous man. So, I can never <coughs> preach the law to you. Uh, the law is not for a righteous man. The law is for the person that seeks justification by his works. That's what it's for. If you're already righteous, why do you need a law to attain righteousness? You know, the law is not for a righteous man. Neither is the law unto life. Um, you know, I've, uh, you know I, I spoke to a good friend of mine, and she... Um, on Facebook and uh, just uh, really appreciate her input concerning scriptures and stuff and, and, and what she says, she says the law was ordained unto life but then found to be unto death and um, you know I, I see a little bit different there I see that the law was uh, it was ordained unto life but found to be unto death so it, what I see there is that the Old Testament people and even the Apostle Paul thought that life was contained in the law and they thought that that was the wisdom by which they could have a quality of life or good quality or God's quality of life but then uh, Paul comes and he says that uh, Jesus Christ became the wisdom of God for us by which we are now having life yet the law is not um, not to be used it should just be used in a lawful manner in other words a lawful manner the teaching I've put up yesterday just for those of you that wanted to watch it um, and maybe you're watching this a year from now there's a teaching called uh, the way Jesus looked at the law and please do yourself a favor and go and listen to that that has just impacted my life greatly in understanding the law um, you need a you need a look at the law the way Jesus looked at the law and that's how we can apply it <clears throat> now we're going to look at um, Timothy here we're going to look at um, uh, uh, Ezekiel as well now let's get into the message for today it says first uh, Timothy chapter 6 it says let us many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor uh, 
that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to holiness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, according, um, oh, sorry, dispute, perverse disputings of men, corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us therewith be content. But they that want to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drawn men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Now isn't this just such a powerful, powerful piece of scripture. Now the context here was basically uh, Judaizers that came and what they would do is they were seen as the people that really loved money. And the Bible even says that the Jews of those times, the Pharisees and those people loved money. Now where does this big love of money come from? Um, why is it so deeply rooted into humans to really love money? Um, and it's actually more than money. Money is just uh, the currency or the thing that is used for something greater than money. <laughs> but money gives itself so much to the system which works in man that we can call it a love of money. Now, where does this whole thing come from? And we must realize here, and, and let's just read, read the verse here. It says, It says, and having food and clothes, let us there be with content, for they that want to be rich fall into temptation. They that want to be rich fall into temptation. Isn't that just so, so bad, you know? They that want to be rich. Now, who, who of you, to be honest, you don't want to be rich? All of us want to be rich. You know, who wants to, let me, let me put the question like this, who wants nothing? Now, there's nobody, you know? Everybody, even the poorest person would say, I want something. Now, there's a certain thing, if you ask me, Beth, do you want to be rich, and, and, and you, I think of billions and whatever, I, I don't want to be that rich, because there's a lot of turmoil that goes with it. You basically are, everybody would want the money, people want to abuse the money, everybody's going to be at your door wanting your stuff, it's, it's going to be, it will grab a hold of my life in such a way that I'm saying, man, I, I don't want that, I want peace. 
I don't want to continue in the peace that I live in. But for to, to say who of you don't want to drive a reliable vehicle, who of you don't want to live in a good house and those kind of things, everybody wants. Yet that verse, when it's read like that, it, it condemns your heart. But I believe Paul was talking about something completely different here, something that I've never seen before. And uh, in this week, realized what, where this whole thing comes from. I even start to understand Matthew 6 even much better, where Jesus was saying that when you look at the birds of the air, they don't sow and reap. And why he said that, why he said, don't worry about you know, what you will wear and, and all those kind of things. Now, here it clearly says that the love of money is the root of all evil, the love of money. And we've heard many times people say, not money, you know, it's right to have money, uh, it's just the love of money. Yes, it is the love of money, um, you know, and, and, and the love of money here was basically a teaching wherein the Jews loved money because money was confirming their stand with God. For they believed that gain is godliness. They believed that gain is godliness. Uh, let me just uh, read that again. <clears throat> Perverse disputants of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. So there are people that came in that was teaching other Christians, you know, about the love of money. Now this love of money, they didn't teach as you must love money. They declared that gain is godliness. Uh, you know, the best way in explaining that would be to say, uh, if somebody's doing well financially, to say, what is he doing right? You know, what has he done that God can bless him that way? Uh, that was the kind of thing that they were teaching because they were connecting financial blessing to obedience to God. That's what they were doing. And they were basically, by that saying, that my financial prosperity is actually declaring my stand with God. So if I'm righteous and God approves of me, then I will have all these things. So, by in, and in saying that, you actually become evil. Uh, evil is law-minded. You've, you've brought a law outside of the law of life, which is that his life is your life, you brought into your relationship with God. And what you are saying is that uh, 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 I bring this law that what, the, the blessing I have declares who I am and when I and that love that brings a love for money because all of us want to be accepted all of us want to be good enough all of us want that and because we want that uh, this the, the, there comes a love for this money called clearly gain is godliness the love of money is to believe that gain is godliness now um, <clears throat> We can see it in a way where we say that these people believe that if you're rich, you're godly. You know, uh, it's not really what they believed. They brought in a system, a Jewish system, which which is found in Deuteronomy 28. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 28. And just you know, I always quote it, but sometimes it's just good to read it. Let me just read Deuteronomy 28. It says. And shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And these blessings shall 
come on you and overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, blessed shall be the fruit of your ground, that's money. Um, and, and the fruit of your cattle, that's money. The increase of your kin, that's money. The flocks and thy sheep, that's money. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store, that's money. Blessed shall, be, shall you be when you come in and when you go out. In other words, all of this shall be continually. This money blessing will be continually. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, and be smitten before your face. You shall come out against thee in one way and flee before thee in seven ways. So if an enemy comes against you, they will not harm your prosperity. None of those things. You will continue to be blessed. The Lord shall command the blessings upon you in thy storehouse, that's money, and in all that I set thy hand unto, that talks about your work, shall be blessed. You know, and a lot of time, most of the time, that talks in the context here, what you do, your work, money. And he shall bless you in the land in which the Lord your God shall give you, and the Lord shall establish you and holy people unto himself. So in other words, here he comes and, he, and it's declared that this holy people shall be established. How shall they be established? By financial prosperity. So um, w- what happens is the Jewish people started to really think that if somebody is rich, it is God's stamp of approval upon him. <clears throat> and the moment they did that from this verse, because oh, it's difficult to explain why God even said that. Uh, that's a whole different teaching. But uh, the, the whole concept here is my blessing determines what I am. And what I am is based on what I do. Because if I do right and I'm obedient and I do my work good, then the blessing of God will be upon me. So I love to see, I love to see this, this uh, financial prosperity because that speaks of who I am. And by that, we also could declare who is cursed, like the poor. The poor would say that, uh, uh, you know, I am just nothing. I'm not accepted by God, you know. And if you go and read on uh, from verse 15 onwards, it says, But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe all his commandments, which I command, uh, and his statutes which I command you this day, that these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be the basket of your store. And, And here it goes on, talks about money again. So, in this mindset, which was which came in from a legalistic system, you know, this this was written down, and people could couldn't but have even by the law, which they believe God gave, which was written in the finger of God, all these things, you know, which Moses gave them, which he got on the mountain, which is from God. Uh, I mean, they couldn't but believe that I. I am what I do and who I am is manifested by the financial prosperity I have and therefore they have a love of money and because that money tells them who they are. Now that can cause you to have a very great desire for stuff because all of us want to be accepted before God. And the greatest thing about this is should you be poor then and or should you be rich, this is all public. Everybody can see this. So if I'm poor, I am in the eyes of people um, cur- cursed. as Because they believe that I'm even in the eyes of God, I'm cursed. And, and they believe even God causes these curses. So the rich would really look down on the poor because of this... Um, <clears throat> This legalistic system, and this is the very same problem that was in Corinthians concerning the 
communion. People came and, and the rich would eat and they would have their own meal and whatever and then there are others that are poor and they don't even care for them. Why wouldn't they care for them? Because this love of money system, which was a legalistic system, was still grounded into their very being, destroying them. You know, so let's go quickly back to Timothy there and uh, we can just see what is said Clearly, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. So if the love of money, in other words, if the love for um, confirmation by what you receive on account of your ability or working certain principles can end in your life, all law shall be removed. Now the word evil there is it means to be full of labor and annoyance. So your whole you'll literally enter into the rest when you can realize that this system has uh, you know is is not valid anymore. Now why would Paul say it is the root of all evil? Where does he get that idea? Now this is just my view on this and I I hope you can see it the way I see it because this is wonderful for me. Let's go to um, Oh, I'll go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28, and uh, let us just have a look at, we'll read from verse 11. Now this talks about the fall of the king of Tyrus. Now the king of Tyrus has got certain attributes concerning himself that I believe really fits into the fall of Satan. Now there are some people that believe that Satan was created evil from the very first day. Now I don't believe God made evil. I don't believe God created a lie. <clears throat> God is not the father of the father of lies. Um, this to me I believe Satan is a fallen angel. And uh, he brought in the system that made him fall. And we're going to look at what made Satan fall. Now, before I get into that, let me just say this. It's very important for me that the church understands this, that church leaders understand this, that you understand this. Maybe not even going to a church, but it's very important for me that you do understand this. Because we are dealing now with the root of all evil. The root of all evil. And the greatest way whereby we can see uh, if, if we're blessed or not in this world is money. Uh, you know, we will say somebody's yours going so well with him and we've got such an honor for the rich. Our media, our advertising campaigns, our politics, everything revolves around money. Everything revolves around money. And if the enemy can get the church to keep just a little bit of that love into in his uh, in their life that is like a ligma tumor you know it's like it shall grow again into law any love of money shall grow into uh, more legalism it is the root of all labor and the root of all annoyance and the root of all legalism okay that's why I think it's very important for us to understand let's read here Talking about the fall of Satan here. It says, Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, You seal up the sum, full of wisdom, 
and perfect in beauty. Now listen, who was ever, whoever that you know of in the Old Testament, could you say, seals up the sum full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. There is no one. There is no one. Uh, um, to me, this is a type and a shadow of a being that didn't exist because the Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one. Now, how can you be perfect in wisdom and not be righteous? How can you, wisdom is application of truth. How can you be perfect in the application of truth and not, you know, and, and be unrighteous? It's impossible. So here is a being that is so wonderful. It says, you have been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, I, I mean the king of Tyrus, surely he wasn't there. Thou, <laughs> thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Now, precious stones there would talk about, you know, just, uh, I wouldn't say adding to, but just speaking about the splendor of this person. Uh, and then verse 14, you, you are an anointed cherub that covers. It talks about an, the ability of this cherub that covers, that's over, you know. And I have set you so, uh, I have set thee so. You was was upon the holy mountain of God. Now the mountain of God, if you think of Sinai, you know, and, and the mountain of God, it was where God was. That's where God sits, the level of God, you know. And you have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So here we talk about the, the stones of fire. It talks about this, this, this absolute goodness of God that, that is alive and full of fire, the very mercy and the goodness of God. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. So what he was saying, he said, you listen man, everything you did was perfect till something was found in you and this corrupted your wisdom. This corrupted your actions. And what was this thing that was found in him? It says, by the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. So what he says here is that the multitude of merchandise filled the midst of him with a wrong belief. So what happened was is <clears throat> Satan took into account a system where the abundance of merchandise started to affect his belief and he started to believe that he can, he is in the level of God because of the abundance of things he has. That's exactly the system that the Jewish people believed in. And uh, remember, I, I, I'm still explaining 1 Timothy 6 here. And that's exactly what the Jewish people believed in, which the Gentiles believed in, which all mankind believe in, is that is that your financial prosperity tells you who and what you are. I've got a good friend in town, he works for a boss here and um, he's got a good, posi good position at the company and he said the boss sat them down and said to them, now this boss drives a very expensive uh, like $250,000 car and uh, whatever and uh, he said, listen man, you are what you possess. I am better than a guy who drives a small car because if he was as good as what I am, then he would have had what I have, and he would have owned what I own. Now, 
that is somebody who will just that's full of arrogance that will just boldly come and say what they believe others don't, cannot identify that belief and would not even make such a statement because it was, would feel wrong uh, but how many people would live like that and live by that and that is a satanic system because that is the root from where all principles on how to get more to be more starts if you can love the system that says I am what I can produce from there you'll find certain principles that tells you what you need to do in order to produce that and you love that end of it that end some because that tells you who you are and from if you believe in that immediately hierarchy has settled in your life and uh, you will you you always measure yourself where you are and um, if we don't get the love of money out of the church, you know, and the system that God honors money, you know, and that God finds value in money out of our system, we're going we're gonna to get into trouble and we're going to have a small little root in our system from where all kinds of legalism can grow and we don't want that. Now, right, <clears throat> so here we see Clearly, and there's some other beautiful things in this passage that I need to re read here. So he says, the abundance of thy merchandise. In other words, uh, the system of what I can produce, my money. You know, what I can buy and sell and produce and my profit went into his heart. And when it went into his heart and he started to believe that he is what he does, then his ways was not perfect anymore. The way he would deal with other beings was not perfect. The way he would think was not perfect anymore. And it corrupted his whole life. And Jesus Christ came to take that system and crucify it. He came to crucify that system and set man free. Now, this morning I preached in church, and unfortunately the, um, uh, we, we, the, the batteries we put in, we put new batteries in there, and it was uh, dut. I don't know what was wrong with it, it didn't work uh, properly, so the sound wasn't recorded quite well. And uh, we had to, um, you know, so I'm preaching this over. And what I said this morning to people is, we find this so rooted uh, you know, in our very being, even as Christians and even as grace uh, believers, uh, I find that unless we deal with this and get to a place where we hear a comforting word of God to the point that the system of money loses, or the love of money loses all its power, we will still, you know, feel inferior when you come with your car that's maybe a 1980 model and you park next to your pastor friend that drives a Porsche Cayenne. You know, or uh, Escalade if you're in the U.S. or some nice car. So it, it's like you will feel that little bit of inferiority. And that inferiority is not because the guy with the big car maybe pro projects it onto you. He might be. But the root of that whole thing would be what you believe about those things. And that is the love of money. And that will be the root of all legalism. You'll start to judge people. You'll start to judge yourself. You'll not feel good about yourself. You'll start to judge the motives of others that do have money. You'll start to judge the motives of those that have got less than you. And the whole death thing will jump up you know so um, and truth will lose its value and your wisdom will be corrupted and we're going to look into that now it says here in verse 16 
it says, Your heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. You have corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of your brightness. Now, if you think of someone that's really rich, you know, lives this wonderful life and it's even good to a lot of people, whatever, there's a brightness shining out of him, there's a glory shining out of him. And this person took this brightness and this glory, this, this king or Satan, and took it to heart and based his belief on that and loved that. I love this because this speaks of me. You know, this good I do, this, this what I can produce, it speaks of me. He loved it. And listen to what he says here in verse, um, The heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. You were, have cor thou have corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. So, wisdom means how to live every day. It was corrupted by the reason of the loving of this very beauty that was God-given. So the moment we sit in a place where, uh, where, where we are under the love of money, or the love of, of, I've got respect for, love is the word agape, where I've got love, I've got respect for, I've got adoration, I've got, uh, I see no need to add anything once money has declared me blessed. You know, th that kind of a thing, I'm fully content with the, uh, money's final voice over my life. I'm content with that. If I've got money, I'm happy. You know, that kind of a thing. Not, and there's nothing wrong with money. Please hear me. I said this this morning as well. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car, there's nothing wrong with living in a good house. The, the thing is the belief around it. That's the whole thing. And, and we see it, that belief as the root of all evil. Now if it's the root of all evil, I think we need to talk about it. Um, you know, if wanting to be rich draws you into all kinds of hurtful lusts and we are warned by the Apostle Paul to flee wanting to be rich, my goodness, I haven't heard many people preach about that. Um, you know, and if I heard somebody about it, it was in a very condemning way. So here we see that the wisdom one has, let me give you a good example. It's not a wise thing to love one person in the church more than another person. It's not a wise thing to, uh, you know, to spend time in a church with, one couple all the time and never want to talk to anybody else. But a love for money will make you want to do what you know is not wise. And you will spend more time speaking to the rich than what you would spend speaking to the poor. You will sort of see people in the church as rich and poor. You will worry about, you know, this, I can't lose this guy because he gives to me. You know, you will, when a rich person does something that's wrong, you will not treat him and correct him, you know, and correct his belief like you would do with a poor person because you are so scared that this guy is upset and wisdom g goes out the door. The application of Christ cannot fully come to the rich guy because you are under the belief that money declares who I am and he is giving to me and therefore I can cannot treat him the way I'm supposed to treat him and uh, you know tell him listen my brother I think you've got a wrong belief here let me correct your belief concerning this because you're so scared that he's not going to give to you actually you don't care about him you just care about or you don't even care about money you care about what money confirms for your life is from there and you see that is God's stamp of approval on your life and that is what happened to Satan that's what happened to Satan so um 
And that's what caused his fall. The same system was used with tempting Jesus in the desert. Jesus, if you are the Son of God, he was, use your very ability and find your confirmation out of the abundance of your merchandise. In other words, out of the abundance of what you can produce. Jesus says, I don't live by that, but I live by the word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so now, with, with that in mind, <clears throat> you know, we know that it will corrupt our wisdom. It will corrupt the way you treat, if you're in a business, it will corrupt the way you treat your people that work for you. And this is actually what First Timothy 6 is all about. Preachers came in, Judaizers, that had love for money. Love for money was the affirmation that comes from finances and the blessing that comes connected to Deuteronomy 28. That's, that's what I believe. And, the, and they came and they preached. And what happened, the fruit of that preaching was that the people that worked for the boss were so upset with the boss because obviously the boss is not going to give you enough money so that you can drive the biggest thing or have the, 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 the highest quality camel you know, and uh, have the best everything. So what he's actually doing is, I'm giving my best and this boss is robbing me from God putting a stamp of approval on me and therefore I will always have to be lower class, worker class. And in the rich guy, the, the boss feels, these people aren't producing enough for me, you know, because I, I know I must be the blessed of God somehow and I want God to bless me. I want to see myself as blessed and I don't want to be at the bottom. I want to be at the top of this hierarchy because this is all public and I, I don't want to be ashamed um, uh, of myself. So I want them to work hard and you start to treat people in a way that you're never supposed to treat them because you've got a love for this affirmation money can give. And Jesus came to set the church free from that. Now, with this in mind, I want to say this. That's why I want to preach on next Sunday and the Sundays to come. I want to talk about God's provision from the Trinity. I want to talk on how He cares for you. Because if you can know how He cares for you, you will realize, and we're going to touch a bit on it today, we, you will realize that this financial prosperity thing, you know, is not an indication of anything. It means nothing. For the Bible says, let the, let, let the, if the rich can say, I'm poor, and the poor can say, I'm rich, that's what actually needs to happen. If the rich can say that, you know, me finding affirmation, oh, let, me, let me take it to church. And guys, you must excuse me if I use church examples, because I mean, for the last 20 years of my life, I've just been involved in church and church systems. If you can say, man, you know, if, if the guy with the biggest church and the, 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 the greatest staff and the, all those kind of things that, that says, well, I'm blessed because of these things, let him rather say I'm poor. Because these things say nothing. It says nothing. Like Nico said last Sunday, it says, if you put the rich in, in the scale and you put the poor in the scale, you'll find that both of them weigh up to vanity. Uh, that is exactly, if, if you can say that. But yet today, and, I, and I, let me speak to leaders, we, we, we give more attention to the guy with a bigger congregation. And we feel that he is the guy, you know. I even find the guy said to me, Bertie, I'd rather be wrong and be wrong with this and this and, and, and mention some names of big preachers, you know, than um, be wrong with you. <laughs> my goodness that sounds to me like I'm of Paul I'm of Apollos it sounds like fleshliness to me 
You know, it's not, um, to, to me that is not the, the, the way I think it is supposed to be. Because we, we should not measure who we're with. I, I'd rather be wrong with, um, let's say, let's use a big name, if I must use a name here, I'd rather be wrong, wrong with Benny Hinn, because at least he's got millions of people following him. No, no, I'd rather never be wrong. And just be right and agree with God. Doesn't matter, you know, it, it's like your wisdom, and this is what happens with these things, our wisdom gets corrupted. We don't know how to treat people. We will take money from people and we know they're giving it feeling obligated. Where, you know, in our love life with our wife or our husband, we will, you know, if it comes to intimacy and the one says, well, I don't want to be intimate with you, but I, well, let's do it then because this is what you want. You will say, listen, man, I don't want to force myself down on you. It's like, just like, let's just leave this. Maybe you feel bad or maybe I've ill-treated you today or whatever. Let's just leave this until tomorrow and then sort this out. That's what you'll do in normal, normal life, but when it comes to church and somebody wants to give you money and you know this guy feels a little bit obligated or he feels a little bit indebted to God and he gives it, you say, well, God blessed me. Amen. You, your, your wisdom is corrupted and the end of that is that person feels abused and you've got to live with your own conscience which tells you deep in your heart, this is not really the truth. You're not really trusting God. You're not really in belief in God and, and you start living this, all this turmoil which God has not given us. He, 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 he set us free from all of that. You know, so um, let's go to Matthew 6 here. Matthew 6 and, and I want to end off with this. The moment we understand the Trinity, the moment we understand our union and our fellowship and, and our provision, you know, that way everything in life changes. It says, the light of the body is the eye. This is verse 22. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil, works orientated, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? It says, the light, or, or the eye, um, the light of the body is the eye. In other words, the, the, the revelation uh, or the enlightenment, that which enlightens your life, is the way you believe, is, is how you see something. If your eye be single, in other words, if it's not double, you know, law and grace, but single, you only see Jesus. Okay, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your your, your eye is evil. Evil, the word evil, full of labor and annoyance. Works based. Your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light that is in you, the revelation you have, is a revelation of works righteousness, how dark will your life not be? Next verse, continuing the, in the very same breath, saying this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot be a servant of God and a servant of money. My goodness. You know, you can work and have money. No problem. 
But when do we become the servant of money? It is, and, and God calls money the, now this is going to sound very bad, uh, but by lack of a better example, just hear me out. God calls money the competition, the other God. He didn't say you can't serve God and Satan, he says you can't serve God and money. Now, why would he say such a thing? And he goes on, he says, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or, so you will either have a love of money, or, and a love for God. You'll either love the affirmation that comes by saying, I'm blessed, and what it means, should you prosper, if we didn't have any money, it would have been just how many cattle you have, or basically the fruit of your labor. You'd either love the fruit of your labor and being defined by what you do, or you will love God, but you cannot have both. This is what Jesus said. The moment you think you have both, you either have the one or the other. That's the way it is. Let us continue. You know, if, if you go just before that, it, it, it says, lay not up for yourself a treasure on earth. Talking about my treasure is in what I produce in this world. Don't let that be your treasure, but let the treasure be the resurrected Christ seated at the right hand of the Father defining you. Okay, no man can serve two masters, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body, what you, shall be put, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not better than they? You see, this was completely against the system of that time. This is completely against the uh, satanic system of I am what I possess. This says that even, he says, why do you worry what you will put on? It doesn't say why do you worry if you would put something on. Listen, every person is concerned if he's going to have clothes tomorrow or not, you know, kind of thing. Listen, if you don't know if you're going to, if you, if, you, if you think that you're going to walk naked tomorrow, you'll worry. You know, if you think that you will not have a place to stay, you'll naturally worry. Jesus wasn't saying, don't be concerned if you'll have clothes or if you'll stay. That's a natural thing for any human being. It's, you know, we have a concern. I need to have a place to stay. I need to have clothes. What he was talking about here is what you wear. Not if you wear, but what you wear. <clears throat> Today's term it would be, are you concerned about um, and please don't hear as if, I, and I want you to feel guilty. I'm, I'm just using an, ex an example to explain to you what kind of a belief he's talking about. Because he's not addressing actions, he's addressing a belief. Because these people believed that the earthly system is really what's valuable to them. They found their value in these things. And then he said, it would be something like, um, do you, do, I mean, do you worry if the clothes you wear is name brand or not? You know, it's not if you wear, but what you wear. Or what you eat. Do you worry if you buy your clothes, your food from an expensive shop? You know, or just a Walmart or something. Or a South Africa Checkers or, you know, Macro or whatever. 
Where do you, are you concerned about those things? If you walk in the street with a bag where you bought clothes, um, are you concerned what the name that's on the bag is? You know, th that's the whole thing. If you've got a bag that's from Walmart and you've got a bag that's from a very expensive clothes shop, you take the Walmart bag and put it inside the expensive bag, you know, or the other way around. So what, what would it be? And this is what Jesus was addressing because these people were believing, I am what I do, I am what I wear, I am the, the bag that I carry, you know, the, that kind of a thing. You know, I've, you know, I've known of people that would uh, take a bag from some expensive clothes shop and go and buy it at a, a, a shop where it's not that expensive and put it in that bag. You know, in, in big fashion cities and stuff, people do that kind of thing. Now, um, I don't say they're bad or anything like that. I'm just saying this is what Jesus was addressing. He says, listen, man, don't worry about that because that whole system has ended. God cares for the birds and he is your father, which was not known to the Jews. Here Jesus comes and he declares to people that God is your father. He says, by saying father, he says, you are in equality with God. Now, why do you want to work to get stuff, you know, you want to work so that God can uh, give you stuff so that you can know you're accepted by God by the stuff you have. No, no. He is your Father. You are already accepted and you are worth more than anything to Him. You never need that affirmation anymore. Let that affirmation lose its value. That system of I work, then God bless, and by the blessing I know what I am based on what I've done. And where my stand with God is. He says that God ended. God, that's not, not there anymore. Jesus came and introduced the system, Matthew 6, calling people the children of God. He says, your heavenly Father. <laughs> your Heavenly Father, you know, cares for the birds. If He cares for birds and you are, He's the Father of you, don't you think that you are worth more than Him? So first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. In other words, get rid of the earthly kingdom or the satanic system where you believe that you are what you wear or where you stay. You know, so many times our wisdom is corrupted. The way we, we deal with our money is so corrupt because of this wrong belief. We, what God gives us every month is more than enough financially. Most of the time what people receive is more than enough. But because of this belief, they will buy clothes and they will buy cars and they will buy things that, that where they push their money so much to the edge because they are really trying to reach something that's a belief in them that says that is good. You know, that that kind of clothes is good. That kind of... You know, as contentment settled into my heart, man, I found that I've got money in the bank. As I got rid of this system of what kind of a thing I drive or where I stay and that kind of thing, I found that my wisdom concerning how I deal with money has changed completely. I found that I now have enough over that I can be generous to people and give. It was so nice today in our congregation when I said, um, when, when I could say to the people, without any fear, 
I say to them, listen man, there's somebody in our church that is going through a hard time financially. The husband, her husband is going for a major heart operation and she's going through a hard time financially. She cannot even drive to the hospital all the time because she doesn't have enough fuel money. And I would say, listen, all the giving today, we just give to that lady. Be as generous as possible. Now obviously we've got costs, you know, that we need to cover, but... You know, but thank God, you know, there's already the, the way, your wisdom can come your way. You can deal with people in a way that you would never normally deal. Because you would think, you know, what if this month, you know, we don't meet our budget and we need to, you know, use our credit card to pay something or whatever for the building or... I don't care. You're, and there will always be enough. Glory to God. But you can live in this freedom. You can wisely treat your people in church with absolute wisdom. You know, the whole uh, giving. And I don't want to say offering, but that's what people understand. The whole offering is given, was given to one lady today. And we, we did that. Why? We didn't arrange this, that with her before the time or anything. I just drove and I said to my wife, I think that's what we need to do today. We did it. The... the and she was really blessed. She's happy. She was so happy with what was given. I was amazed. The money that came in is even much more than would normally come in on a Sunday. Glory to God. And there was just an absolute generosity in the people's hearts. Now, this you will know how to deal with people. You will know how to do things. Because your, the, the power of this would be broken over your life. And this is what Jesus was saying here. He was saying, you already qualify, my friend. You don't need the qualification of that money can put upon your life. And once this settles in, you really start to, to for the first time in your life, know what you really want. We were so in need of affirmation and so in need of God's approval and never knowing that this was the system where we basically found our life in what we do and the fruit thereof that it completely destroyed us and Jesus came and he declares over your life so freely so clearly that I am that God the Father is your father why are you he says, don't worry what you will wear. First seek the kingdom of God. How does his kingdom function? His kingdom functions with father and son. It functions with co-heir. Co it functions with co-inheritance. It functions with uh, uh, um, what belongs to the father belongs to you. It functions with the father gave everything to man and now he's living with man. That's how the whole thing functions. We like the elder brother working for something we have. You are approved of God. When He looks over your life, He does smile over your life. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to end off with, um, with this. You know, when we think of tithing and we think of money in the church, we can never start our month owing God. You know, Jesus in heaven, the life between the Son and the Father is our life. 
we are co-seated with him and I cannot think that Jesus in my wildest imagination I cannot think that as the father from who he is provides for the son you know and the son again to the father she's just mutual you, wonderful uh, um, relationship but let's talk just from a father-son perspective as the father provides for the son and he doesn't just provide for him heaven and where he is he provides for him in being provides everything for him that Jesus at the beginning of every month feels he owes the father 10% it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense. And if, we, if we've got this thing about money where God says, listen man, you owe me 10%. It speaks to our subconscious mind that God has got this, some issue with money. We can't put our finger on it, but if you don't give it, you are indebted to him. You owe him. You know, my son cannot start every month with the emotion waking up every morning you know every first morning of the month I owe my father and then he gives it and then I don't owe my father imagine I would say to my son you know if you never tithe or if you never give me 10% I will never curse you I will never condemn you um, but remember it still belongs to me he will feel like a thief if he doesn't give it to one month there will be that, 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 that indebtedness now, I don't say, and I've put this on Facebook as well, and please hear me, I don't say that you cannot tithe. I don't say you can tithe, well, let me put it this way, I say you cannot tithe based on the old tithing system anymore. You can't bring your brandy to the church and uh, drink there and those kind of things. I don't think go to the gates of your city and put everything down there every third year. I, I, I don't believe we can tithe that way, but if we talk about the... The tithing system that was in the church, give 10% of your money. I don't say you cannot do that. Neither do I say you should do that. What I say is if you, from a free will, feel that you want to do that, do it. But if we start with indebtedness, you know, the moment, and, and this is the whole thing to me and that I want to get to. Again, if I don't give it, I am put in the category of thief. I'm putting in the, in, in the category of I am indebted. So what happens again is you find those that are the givers of the tithe and they are on a certain level. And how do you determine that? By what they did. How do you know that? We, we count the money, the 10% and now we see. And then you find the other people that didn't give and then the people that did give will tell the people that don't give, well, you're not really on my level, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> and I know I might be stepping on some toes uh, but my heart is really the body of Christ my heart is a healthy church and uh, I, I care for the local church I do believe that there's absolute place for the local church my goodness I've got, I have got my own local church and have planted many churches today until today I've planted many churches all over you know so it's not as if I am I'll be a fool to say that there's no need for a local church glory to God but there's no need for the local church to be in error concerning the thing that is the root of all evil listen my brother I think you can be in error and in law I can I can tolerate 
law teaching concerning prayer much more than I would concerning finances because law prayer is not the root of all evil but the love of money is the root of all evil and what I found is you know we 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 don't want to really just get rid of this old system completely let's get rid of it completely and you know what I found as this happened to me generosity grabbed the whole of my heart and it's one of the most beautiful ways to live it's such a high quality of life where you can be so captivated with the beauty of somebody else the value of somebody else that you can't but take from yourself and give you know I, I'm so blessed you know that today I I, um, I stopped at the um, at the what's the place called the supermarket and there was a guy with a flat tire there and uh, I mean, I couldn't, my, my wife was the first one just to say, it was just in my heart, help this guy change the tire. You know, I came there, she says, can I, can I help? He says, no, I'm okay. I says, well, I know you're okay, but I'm okay with helping you. And, uh, and, and I just came and changed the tire for this guy. You know, so it was just, it, it, it is just, man, and if his tire was finished or he didn't have a tire, I would have went and bought him a tire if he didn't have one. It just, that is what is in my heart. And I tell you, um, I never had this before. This is happening to me in such a great way. And I thank God for that. And I want to tell you, tithing teaching, sowing and reaping teaching, you must submit to your pastor teaching, could never have produced this kind of a high quality fruit in me. I want to go so far to say, nothing but the law system can take this ever away from me. This is not something I do anymore. I find that this is something God does in me. And the only thing that could kill me is if I start to, to take what this Christ life and let the Christ life manifesting in me become the root of my belief now, where am I defined by what I do? That will destroy me utterly. So I am guarding against that. The Bible says, above all things, guard what you believe and how you believe. Above all things. Now a guard is there because you are afraid that somebody else can maybe, um, you know, steal something from you and you've got this guard. Now, I don't believe in living in fear and being, you know, tormented by fear because perfect love casts out all fear. But the Bible does say fear lest you don't enter into the rest. So I'm not going to flirt with legalism. I'm not going to flirt with, see how close I can come. You know, it's like, and this might, I don't know if you will think this is humor, but um, it's like the one guy said to me, you know, he was dating, while dating his girlfriend, he knew of all the ways on how to have sex without really having sex. You know, because he was trying to get it to as close as what you can and when it's, and it's not sin kind of a thing. You know, and that's what I find with legalism. You know, we are still so such have such a draw to that other system and that we can see can we get to this thing as close as what you know, how close can we get and not be in the law? <laughs> no, see how far you can get from the thing. Paul didn't say to Timothy, see how close you can get, uh, what you can do to get a lot of money, and then no, no, no. He said, run, flee from these things. Glory to God. Now, 
next Sunday I'm going to speak uh, more on these things and I want to just you know as I end this I want to thank everybody that uh, give from a generous heart towards Dynamic Love Ministries I also want to thank people maybe not giving to my ministry but you just feel the generosity and you live towards your local church or towards somebody of your family or someone that you really care for and you feel that grace brought forth a generosity man thank you for you know to me it's wonderful because i just see christ's life in people and true freedom you know thank you for those people that on my facebook page just uh, um, you know would confirm these things or just give testimonies of what god has done for you through the these words it really blesses me to the depth of my heart thank you so much for that thank you for your generosity you know it's it's just changed our life in a great way it's enabled us to preach and it's appreciated so much I'm not against giving I'm absolutely for the fact that giving shall take place for God so loved that he gave now that is not a law that I say well you, you know if you've got love God love the love of God in you you must give that's a oh my goodness no, what I say is, when God's love is in you and continues to live in you, then He will be the giver in you. And that's what, 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 what He was after from the beginning, that you could experience what it is to be like Him. You know, there can only be one God, and it's Him. He couldn't make you God exactly like Him, free from Him, for there's only one. Uh, but that's how close he could come to share with you what it is to feel like him to be like him is to come and live in you and this is what the gospel is all about thank you so much for watching this please be a, um, a internet evangelist and share this uh, with some of your friends even if it's in a private inbox on Facebook email email the link we have fixed up our website we haven't had any complaints this week you know, of uh, throttling and people not be able to watch this stuff. Thank you so much. And the next uh, week we will go more into how God cares for you from a Trinity perspective. God bless.